Welcome to Any Questions, a podcast about conception, pregnancy, and realistic motherhood. Follow along on my journey as I ask the questions we all have when it comes to getting pregnant, staying pregnant, and becoming parents. I'm not an expert and I have no experience. I'm going through it all just like you. So thanks for being here and let's get into it. Hello and welcome back to Any Questions. Today's episode is all about tracking for conception. So contrary to what we were told in elementary school, middle school, high school, whenever it was that you got your, I'm sure, excellent sex education, you actually can only get pregnant a few days out of every menstrual cycle. So I totally understand why they tell um, teenagers who like don't have fully developed brains uh, that you know you can get pregnant anytime. And of course, there are people who do get pregnant um, outside of those days. But research shows that there really are only like you know, a few days every cycle that you can get pregnant. And those are obviously when you ovulate and a few days beforehand, as uh, we likely know, sperm can stay alive <laughs> for a little bit longer. So it can wait until the egg drops. As you can tell, I am speaking with a ton of expertise and knowledge. Um, no, of course not. I am not a medical professional. Uh, absolutely none of this is medical advice. It's just things that I have learned. So I'm sharing them with you, but please do your own research and uh, don't take any of this as you know medical guidance or anything like that. So in terms of tracking for conception, this was something you know I had not even heard about. I had never heard of the acronym TTC, trying to conceive, um, until I sort of started this journey and got lost in all of the uh, blog posts and Facebook groups of the TTC world. Um, but I've learned quite a bit since then, and there are a few things that I do to track my ovulation to try to conceive. So I'm going to walk you through those things and, you know, offer them up to you if there are things that you might be interested in, or maybe you're already doing them and you'd love to hear how it's going for somebody else. Um, I'd be super curious to know how this is going for other people too, because I think there are, you know, idealized ways of tracking online. And then there's the reality of, okay, I slept in too late, or I forgot, or I didn't do this correctly, or, you know, whatever it is. So I think it's interesting to sort of hear other people's experiences. Okay, so if you have a completely regular cycle, 28 days, um, every period, you know, you're you're just perfectly normal and regular, congrats to you, you've won the lottery. Um, if that's the case, you honestly can track your ovulation um, probably just on a calendar. Of course, if things aren't working for you after however many months, you know, you might want to track some other way or involve some of your healthcare professionals just in case something is going on. I know there's people who don't ovulate or who ovulate late or early or whatever it is, but in a typical 28 day cycle, day one is the start of your period. And let's say that lasts, you know, four, five, six, seven days, day 14. So halfway through your cycle is the day you would ovulate and you would sort of be able to conceive obviously on that day. That's your best shot day 14 when you're ovulating as well as a couple days beforehand. And then two weeks after you ovulate, your period would start up again. So so that's a full 28 day cycle. And I guess day 29 is technically day one again of the next cycle. So again, if you are this person with 28 day cycles, you are likely ovulating on day 14, you know, if everything is working as it's supposed to, and you can just sort of do the deed around that time, you know, maybe do day, um, I don't know, 12 and 14 or days 11, 13 and 15 or whatever it is um, every every day around then. And uh, you will likely get pregnant because you are uh, track or you are timing your <laughs> timing conception for uh, the days that you're ovulating. 
If you do have a regular cycle, but it's not 28 days, you can still use this calendar method. Generally speaking, ovulation is supposed to start two weeks before your period begins. So again, if it's a 28 day cycle, it's day 14 that ovulation starts. But if you have a, oh, this is going to hurt my math. <laughs> if you have a 30 day cycle, it would be day 16. If you have a um, I can't do the math. You know what I mean though, just minus 14 <laughs> off of how many days your cycle is. And that is when ovulation is supposed to occur. So if you're super regular, but it's not 28 days, it's 35 or it's 26 or whatever it is, just do your own math. And that is likely when ovulation will occur. So this is a really great method. Again, if you are regular, if you have a regular cycle, also, if you're just sort of dipping your toe into this TTC world, I know a lot of people say like, oh, you know, we're pulling the goalie or whatever it is, like you're not trying to stop um, conception, you're not like using birth control or anything like that, any of the barrier methods, but you're not actively trying, trying, you're just, you know, okay, if it happens, it happens. This is a great way to sort of dip your toe into tracking, just sort of taking note of, oh yeah, hey, you know what, my period is 30 days. So sure, around day 16, that would be a good time to try, but you're not, you know, buying a bunch of test kits or taking your temperature or anything like that. It's just sort of an easy way to get in there and uh, dip your toe into the whole um, tracking world of trying to conceive, which uh, can be a lot. So that's where I would start. And I think I probably did this. Um, I don't know. Let's be honest. I didn't really do this. I was tracking pretty <laughs> properly from the beginning. I'm not someone who has a super regular or, um, you know, normal predictable cycle. So something like that doesn't really work for me. I, my period is not the same length of time um, every cycle. And as I was coming off of birth control, my period was really all over the place. So it was super hard for me to um, use a calendar method. So let's get into some other methods that you can use to track for conception. So one that you may have heard of is uh, temperature tracking. It's basal body temperature. You might see it as BBT is the um, acronym. So basically the idea is that you take your temperature every morning. It's supposed to be first thing in the morning. So before you move, before you get out of bed, before you drink a glass of water, um, and you're supposed to do it around the same time every single day. So you take your temperature, and again, you're supposed to be using a special like BBT thermometer that really um, tracks your temperature more precisely. And the idea is that your temperature will spike after ovulation. So if you were tracking your temperature every single day of your whole cycle, it would be, you know, kind of low, kind of low, kind of low, you ovulate. And then let's again, let's pretend it's a 28 day cycle. So it's low from days one till 14. And then day 15, it spikes, it jumps up usually about a full degree. Um, I think in uh, Fahrenheit, Celsius, mm, you'll have to look that up, but you should be able to see if you do track it. And there are lots of apps out there, or you can do it on paper. Um, there'll be a spike and then it'll sort of stay high for the last two weeks. So um, days 14 to 28, and then it drops off again when your period starts. So this is super cool as you can actually see the cycle. Um, you know, if you look back, if you're tracking your temperature every single day, you can go back, you know, a few months and you can see the cycle and it might help you to see, oh, hey, I actually ovulate on day 12 or day 18 or whatever it is. Um, or if you're like me, it changes every month, which is super fun. <laughs> um, the thing about BBT is that you aren't able to see before you ovulate. So if you were doing the um, temperature tracking, it only tells you after you ovulate. So you can't wait until after you see the spike and then start having sex. Um, you would have needed to have it before. If, if you've already spiked, um, of course, please still have sex, but you likely won't be conceiving because you've already ovulated, the egg has already moved on. 
I also feel that this is sort of hard to do well. So it is the method that I'm using most often. It's just, it's the easiest to do. Like you don't have to buy anything really. I just used a thermometer we already own. So it's not like a special BBT one, which you can purchase. Um, it's super easy to do. You just leave a thermometer by your bedside table. You don't have to like pee in cups or track anything or buy anything. Um, however, it's hard to do it perfectly correctly. <laughs> I do not wake up at the same time every single day. So my test, you know, sometimes I'm taking it at seven, sometimes not till 10. So that's super inaccurate. You're also supposed to only take the test, you know, after, or you're supposed to take your temperature rather after like a good night's sleep. Um, I don't sleep very well to begin with. So some nights, you know, it's after eight hours of sleep. Some nights it's after four hours of sleep. Sometimes I get up to pee in the middle of the night and that sort of throws it off. Um, I've also done just strangely over the last couple of months, we happen to be like traveling every time <laughs> it's near my uh, ovulation period. You know, we were on our honeymoon, we were away for Christmas, we went to Hawaii. So, you know, I'm in different environments. There's been a time change. Sometimes the room's really hot. Sometimes it's really cold. So it's a little bit difficult to get a completely accurate reading. And that's why I think it's really helpful if you are going to do this basal body temperature method is to actually take your temperature every single day and look at the graph because yeah, you know, maybe one or two days are a little off. You slept in, you, um, forgot to take it, you're sleeping in a different room or something like that. But overall, if you're doing it every single day, you should still be able to see that pattern. Like if you, you know, draw a straight line or draw a line connecting all of the different, um, temperatures that you took, like on a chart, there should be a, <laughs> I keep making a move with my hand, but it's a podcast. So you can't see that, but it should be like, um, an upward curve sort of thing. Like you could see that. And, uh, it's, it was, it's been interesting for me to do it again, not completely accurately, but still sort of seeing that general pattern. Um, it did give me a little bit of comfort just knowing like, Hey, you know, according to my temperature, at least I am ovulating every cycle. You know, I do get that spike and the temperatures stay up. Um, so that's been really cool to see. So that's another easy thing to track again, hard to do it perfectly, but easy to just sort of dip your toe in, get started. And if you're worried that you are not ovulating or you just want to kind of get some more information about your cycle when you might be ovulating, this is a great method to start tracking. Um, of course, it's not telling you beforehand, though. So you can't use it to um, time conception for your current cycle, but it could give you information going forward. I hope that all makes sense. The next one that we hear people tracking quite a bit is um, cervical mucus. You might see this as CM. So yes, that is the uh, funky stuff you got inside of your vagina. Um, I am 100% not an expert on this and uh, would encourage you to do some more reading. There's lots of articles out there that tell you what consistency you're looking for, what consistency you'll find, um, color, texture, all that sort of thing amount at different times in your cycle. Um, but basically the, the method is you stick a clean finger um, into your vagina and get some of the cervical mucus. You can also just use toilet paper if you're not comfortable with your own finger or if you have you know a lot of cervical mucus enough to come out onto a piece of toilet paper and you check the consistency. Um, obviously this is a little bit more invasive than just taking your temperature or using a calendar. So you have to be pretty comfortable with yourself. And this is another one where you like the more you do it, the better an idea you're going to get, because it's kind of hard when you read these descriptions online, like, okay, what is egg white texture? What is milky? What is creamy? What is sticky? But once you um, get acquainted with yourself and get more familiar with, you know, what's coming out of your body, you may not um, be able to perfectly line it up with the descriptions you're seeing online, but you'll at least notice a difference. I, I definitely do. Um, this is something I do 
inconsistently every now and then. Um, but I do notice some changes in my cervical mucus before ovulation. And I think I'm getting better at it. And I'm, I'm hoping to start uh, in, in combination with a few of these other tracking methods, really be able to use it to find out when exactly I'm ovulating, because I don't think I have the timing perfectly down, but I am noticing some changes. And that's, that's just a cool thing to like learn more about your body. Um, the other cool thing about this is that because of the way cervical mucus works, the change that you're looking for, I believe, again, don't quote me, please go do your own research. You're looking for um, thicker, more like egg white type consistency for cervical mucus. That happens before ovulation, as opposed to the basal body temperature where the change doesn't happen until after ovulation. So with the cervical mucus method, you could use this um, to help you in your current cycle. So if you're thinking, okay, when should we have sex to conceive this cycle, checking your cervical mucus can let you know, as opposed to if you're just checking your basal body temperature, it only tells you after ovulation has already happened. So really helpful to, um, to know when to have sex, essentially. It's also nice because you don't have to, you know, do this at a certain time of day or anything like that. You can do it any time of day. Um, you know, whatever you remember, super easy, just when you're in the bathroom, wash your hands, stick a finger up there, figure things out. Uh, again, it takes some time to get acquainted with yourself and to figure out what, what you're really seeing. Um, but I think it's a pretty easy method. Uh, no costs associated with it. Um, you don't have to buy anything. You can do it any time of day. It's just sort of not as easy to tell, I guess, as you know, if you're taking your temperature, it's very obvious the number you see on the thermometer, that's the number. Whereas with cervical mucus, you might be thinking, okay, is this sticky? Is this creamy? I'm not sure. Um, so tough in different ways, but another method you may want to try to track for conception. I know some people also look at the position of their uterus. Like you can tell again, if you're putting your fingers up there, getting acquainted with it, if it's more, um, like, like upright, I guess, more tight, more rigid. I'm very unfamiliar with that part of it. I'm not as uh, involved in the position of my uterus or the texture of it or whatever. I mostly lean on the cervical mucus, but I know that is another thing that people uh, check for when they're down there because um, your environment <laughs> changes um, during the different stages of your cycle. Again, super great medical experience coming at you from this podcast. Okay, let's move on to the next method you can use to track for conception. This is the uh, OPKs or ovulation predictor kits. So you may have heard of these if you have spent any time in the TTC trying to conceive community. These are basically urine tests. So you pee on the stick or you pee in a cup and dip the stick in it that show your luteinizing, I'm probably mispronouncing that, but luteinizing hormone level surge. So LH, luteinizing hormone. So according to an article from verywell.com, they say that an LH surge usually indicates that you will ovulate within 12 to 36 hours. So again, this is a great option because it tells you about ovulation beforehand. So you can use it in your current uh, cycle to try to get pregnant as opposed to, again, the temperature method, which tells you afterwards. So the idea with these tests is that in the days sort of leading up to ovulation and afterwards, you are peeing on these sticks at least once a day. Uh, some of the kits say you can do it, you know, twice a day, maybe once in the morning, once in the afternoon, and you're looking to see that spike. Um, there are paper tests and there are digital ones. The digital ones are more accurate. Um, just same thing like pregnancy tests, you know, the digital ones are really easy to read. They'll tell you very clearly like, yes, you're surging, go for it, have sex or, you know, have sex tomorrow, whatever it is. Whereas the paper ones are a little bit harder. It's the same with the pregnancy test. You're looking for um, 
two lines. There's going to be a test line and there's going to be a control line. So your surge is when your test line is darker than the control line. Unlike pregnancy tests, just seeing a line is not enough. You're looking for the line to actually be darker. So it's uh, a little bit tougher to read. And um, there's all sorts of apps and videos and things like that where you can see people really like scrutinizing their lines and saying like, oh, is that darker? I can't really tell. So that's another reason why they tell you to do it, you know, over a period of like five to 10 days or something like that. So you can really see the progression of um, hopefully your test strips getting uh, darker and darker until they are darker than the control, which is the day that your LH is surging. And then they should lighten up again after that. So you see that spike. Um, I will say this is a method that I have just recently started. I purchased a box of these test kits um, last month and just started using them for my current cycle. Uh, they are very inexpensive, the paper ones. I'm not talking about the digital ones. I ordered a kit off of Amazon. I think it was 25 bucks and I got 50 of the ovulation predictor kits or test strips. And I got, and it also came with 20 pregnancy tests, which just completely blew my mind because where I am in Canada, I'm not sure if it's the same where you are, but just buying one pregnancy test from like a drugstore or something like that is like $13. So it blew my mind that for $25, I got 50 ovulation predictor kits plus 20 pregnancy tests. Of course, they're like, you know, very bare bones. It's just the little paper strips and a tiny little pamphlet telling you how to use it. So it's not like, you know, anything super fancy or pretty, but it gets the job done. Um, so far, I have used two of the uh, ovulation predictor test strips, and it was a great experience. Um, super easy to read. I do recommend peeing into a cup and then dipping the strip in it as the strips are very, very tiny. And there's a line um, super small. It'd be like a centimeter um, that you need to get urine onto. Uh, you're not supposed to go past that line. So I'm, I'm not even sure how you would do it peeing onto the strip unless you've got impeccable uh, aim <laughs> and accuracy and you can see what's happening down there. But I would recommend just peeing in a cup and then dipping the test strip into it. Um, super easy to read, uh, worked correctly. I think uh, I only used two um, and the reason for that was we were away on vacation with family and I didn't think it would be a good idea to start leaving cups of urine all over the place um, with our family. Uh, we were all sharing one bathroom in this uh, resort that we were at. Um, so I just started using it when we got back, but I think I've already detected a surge and then the next day it seemed to be coming down. So I'm looking forward to using them again for my next cycle so I can sort of use it the whole time and really see that like gradual spike and then come back down. Um, and yeah, it's just, it's been really easy to use, super cheap. Uh, I'm excited for it. It does seem like it's going to be more accurate than the basal body temperature or the cervical mucus, just because it's hard to get this wrong. Um, and yeah, it's something that uh, I'm excited for in the sort of this next step in trying to conceive. Another ovulation um, method of tracking method that I'll share with you is called the saliva ferning tests. So I don't actually have any experience with these and they're much less common if you're in any of the TTC spaces. This is probably not one you're going to hear about very often. Um, again, here's a quote from Very Well. It says, the test works by highlighting crystal formations that typically develop in saliva during ovulation. During the most fertile period of the menstrual cycle, there will be chemical changes in the saliva. When dried, the residue exhibits fern-like crystals that are not present at any other stages in the cycle. So basically, you would buy 
this saliva ferning test kit and it would have a place for you to drop a little bit of saliva and then you'd look at it um, sort of with like a mini microscope, whatever the kit comes with. And uh, you'd look to see if you can find those uh, crystals. And the idea being that once you see the crystals, ovulation is supposed to occur 24 to 72 hours after that. So this sounds like a pretty cool method. And if you are someone who wants a little bit more information about what's happening inside of your body, but you um, don't want to stick your finger up your vagina to check for cervical mucus and, you know, you're not um, feeling like peeing into a cup. Like if that's, you know, you just don't want to spend any extra time in the bathroom and the temperature tracking is like not all that accurate. This seems like a really good way to do it. Um, simply, you know, spitting essentially on whatever the test is. I have a feeling these either might be hard to get or expensive just because they are so, um, so much less common, <laughs> so much less common than the other methods. Like you really don't hear about this very much, but again, I don't have any experience with these, haven't done any research on them. So if that sounds like something like, Hey, I'd much rather spit on a stick than pee on one. This could be the method for you. So definitely look up the saliva ferning tests and see if that is an option. Okay. To end this episode, I just want to go through some of the pros and cons of tracking for conception. Cause if you are in on this journey, you have likely heard of a few of these things before, um, or you've been interested in them. You've been wanting to learn more. Maybe you're doing a few of them yourself and now you're thinking of adding another or removing one or whatever it is. And I know a lot of people are just saying like, okay, but why do we have to do that? Why not just have sex every day or have sex every other day? And 100%, that is a great way to get pregnant. <laughs> if you, if you are able to have, um, have sex every single day or every other day, you will likely hit your ovulation day or the days leading up to ovulation, which is perfect. And that's a great way to conceive. However, that is not a reality for everyone. Not everyone is in a position where they are having um, sex that often. Either they don't want to, their partner doesn't want to, or they're on this journey uh, in a different way. For example, I have no idea how it works if you are doing this solo, if you're doing um, inseminations or things like that. Uh, I assume you need to know your ovulation window pretty well, or, you know, you'll be tested or something like that, but it's just not practical or realistic for everyone to have sex uh, that often. And as well, if you don't have a very regular cycle, um, or if your cycle, you know, it changes every single month, sometimes it's long, sometimes it's short, it can be really frustrating to try to figure out when you are ovulating and um, upsetting if you feel like you might be missing your opportunity. So I'll just speak to my own experience um, without, hopefully without sharing too, too much, even though I've said the word vagina like 85 times. Um, for me, my periods, my period cycle tends to be on the longer side, not my actual days of having my period. Luckily, that's pretty short, but just my cycle, I'm closer to like five weeks as opposed to three or four. Um, and just with some things with my partner and I, just the way our sex life works, we're not having sex every other day. Um, that's just not realistic for the lifestyle we're in and not, um, not what our, I guess what our libidos want. Like that's not something we're really in for. So for me, it's frustrating to think that we could miss our opportunity since I only have a small window every five or so weeks, as opposed to somebody who's getting their period every 28 days, you know, I'm closer to like 35 or 40 days. So I already have fewer cycles per year. And then to think of the fact that, you know, we're not having sex every other day or every third day or whatever it is. So we could completely miss a window. And then there's always, you know, life happens, right? Like we had this trip I talked about where we were away with families so that sort of made things difficult. And then, you know, other things come up and it's just sucky to think like, okay, we missed our chance and now I have to wait, you know, five weeks until we can do it again. So for me, 
having these methods and being able to track conception is helpful because it sort of can direct our efforts. And um, there's, there's pros and cons to that. So for me, one of the pros is I love learning more about my own body. I think there's so much we did not learn about <laughs> our bodies and menstruation and conception and all that in sex ed. And I get it. There was obviously um, some more important things they wanted to teach us, perhaps maybe, you know, how to avoid uh, diseases and how to say no and how to use condoms and things like that. But I certainly had no idea about most of this stuff um, until I was on this journey. So it's really cool to learn more about it and also to learn more about my own body to know, you know, when my body is doing certain things. I'm not someone who's like super into my menstrual cycle. I know that's like a whole <laughs> niche, uh, topic, people who get really into it and who feel different symptoms at different times, diff you know, different phases of their menstrual cycle. That's not me, but it is cool to learn more about my body. It's also really cool to feel more productive because obviously if you're trying to have a baby, um, having sex is how you do that, <laughs> like, or, you know, coming, um, pregnant somehow getting inseminated or however it works. Um, but it's nice to think that there are things that you can do outside of just, you know, the bedroom. So there's tracking that can be done or research or tests. It just, it feels nice to feel productive, especially for someone like myself. You know, I love a to-do list. I love working towards a goal and it's hard when, you know, my cycle is as long as it is and as irregular as it is, it's hard to be like, okay, there's nothing I can do for, you know, four more weeks or five more weeks until we can, you know, kind of time our sex again. It's, it's cool to think like, okay, actually I can take my temperature. I can pee on the stick. I can learn more things. I can get us ready. It's also obviously, as I said, a pro of tracking for conception is, is great if you are not having sex as often or if whatever your opportunity is to get pregnant is not as uh, regular as, as um, or as often, I guess, as, as possible. Um, this is a really cool thing to do if, you know, for example, you're only able to have sex, whatever the, whatever the, the situation is, whether it's, um, you know, you're being inseminated or um, you or your partner are traveling or you're away or you don't have time or you don't have high sex drives, whatever it is. If you're only having sex, you know, once a week, once every two weeks, once a month, it's great to do these tracking methods so you know when you want to time uh, sex for conception. Of course, there are cons to all this tracking. It can feel like a lot of pressure um, to just be completely frank. The very first time we used the ovulation predictor kit and I showed the test to my partner and sort of was like, okay, hey, we should have sex tonight. Um, neither of us had a very, uh, well, we had fun, but we didn't, <laughs> we didn't uh, have a completely successful uh, sexual encounter, which, um, you know, is could be for a million different reasons, but I do think there is an amount of pressure that comes when it's like, Hey, this, you know, we're, we're having sex for a goal. This is what happens. And I know for my partner and I were very early in this journey, so it's not feeling like a chore yet, but I can see how that would happen and how it can feel like a lot of pressure when it's like, okay, we have to do it today. Like today's our only opportunity for five more weeks. Like, come on, we got to do it. Like, that's not a very sexy environment. <laughs> that's not a place um, where either of you are going to be able to have a lot of fun. So I, I totally understand how tracking can put a lot of pressure on a relationship. It can also become a bit of an obsession and you'll find yourself creating a podcast episode all about it. Um, but totally, it can become an obsession. There are way too many apps and tests and Facebook groups and blogs and podcasts and all of that about this whole journey. I say as someone who is kind of down the rabbit hole, obviously creating my own podcast about it, but that can totally um, become obsessive and take over your life and be something you're thinking about all the time, which while it's nice to feel productive, uh, can definitely not be the healthiest way to 
<laughs> to spend your time. So pros and cons to tracking, but I think it is cool to learn about the different options out there and to, you know, wherever you are on your TTC trying to conceive journey, implementing different tracking methods at the time that's right for you, that works for you, that works for your partner. I do want to do a whole episode about how to sort of involve your partner on this TTC journey, um, especially, you know, speaking mainly to, um, I, I guess, cis hetero couples, because that's, you know, what I'm in. But um, as the woman in that couple, it's usually all on you to come up with the plan to figure out ovulation and conception and tracking and when to have sex and all of that. And it's sort of like the guy just shows up, does his thing, gets out, and then shows up again, hopefully, when the baby is born. Um, but I, I don't really love that. And I think it should be something where both partners are involved from the start, obviously not just in the actual conception, but the whole journey and being a part of it, even if it's only happening in one person excuse me, in one person's body, I think both um, partners should be involved if it's, you know, a child that both partners are, are wanting to bring into the world. So I hope this is helpful. This is a little bit of a, um, you know, stream of consciousness episode, but I hope it was helpful to hear about all of these different methods. And maybe there's something that you want to start doing or stop doing or learn more about. And uh, of course, I wish you lots of luck in your trying to conceive ovulation, conception, all that journey. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Any Questions, a podcast about conception, pregnancy, and realistic motherhood. If you liked hearing from me, I'd really appreciate it if you could do all the things. Follow, subscribe, rate, review, and share this podcast with a friend. Even if I wasn't able to answer all of your questions, I hope there's some relief in knowing you're not alone in asking them. Thanks so much for being here.